Thank you for listening to the latest edition of the Northeast Newscast. As always, I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and I travel to the Community of Christ Church in Independence, Missouri this week to sit down with the founder of the Tamale Kitchen, Becky Grip. Grip started the Tamale Kitchen back in July of 2015. Armed with a $5,000 0% interest loan, courtesy of a partnership between the Local Initiative Support Corporation and online crowdfunding platform, Kiva Zip. Aside from that, the Tamale Kitchen also had funding for ingredients from an angel investor. The funding mechanism behind the Tamale Kitchen was obviously important, but what really makes the business work is an idea displayed prominently on the business's website, thetamalekitchen.org. The idea is as follows. What if you could change a community for the better just by buying tamales? That's what the Tamale Project is about. It's pairing people who have a passion and skills in a community with resources in a marketplace that, all together, work toward the common good. In my conversation with Becky Grip, I asked about all elements of the business, from concept to execution and beyond. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the Tamale Kitchen founder, Becky Grip. Thanks again for listening. So I appreciate you being here today. Uh, this is Paul Thompson, host of the Northeast Newscast, sitting alongside Becky Grip over at the Community of Christ Church in Independence, uh, talking about Tamale Kitchen or the Tamale Kitchen. Can you just start by explaining why we're here in Independence and, and, and what you have the team working on today? Sure. Um, we're at Community of Christ Church because they allow us to use their space to cook. They have a, a kitchen mm-hmm. that they um, use for various events. And they've been gracious enough um, to to let us cook here. And um, we are in the process of renovating our own space on the property of Our Lady of Peace Catholic Church in Northeast at 10th and Bennington. Right, I think um, people will be familiar with yes, that. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's um, It's been a process, to tell you the truth. It's um, We started the renovation almost a year ago. It'll be a year ago in January. And... Um, it's on the property of the church in a school mm-hmm. that hasn't been used for years. Right. So the kitchen um, is there. However, um, we've had to bring it up to code for, um, for instance, gas. We've um, had to install um, different pieces of equipment that um, are required by the Kansas City, Missouri Health Department sure. in order to certify it as a commercial kitchen. So we've run into um, things that we didn't anticipate. However, we had a ribbon cutting in mm-hmm. May, the end of May, sponsored by the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and uh, the Northeast Chamber. Um, I happen to be on the board at the Northeast Chamber, mm-hmm. and um, they've been tremendous, a tremendous source of support, both chambers, mm. to getting the word out and helping us. So we're here until we have our own home. Is there a rough timeline for when that, that new home might be ready? Gosh, we, we want it to be ready first quarter okay. of January. Um, we're to the point where we know which pieces of equipment we absolutely have to have. Right. And uh, hopefully during the installation of that equipment, we won't run into any plumbing or um, gas issues, which is what has stalled us in the, in the past. But we... Um, as soon as possible, because um, I work with five women that um, are all members, are all parishioners at Our Lady of Peace. Mm-hmm. 
um, and they live within walking distance of the church. Right, right. now we're cooking 3.30 to 11 at night, which isn't very conducive to family time. Right. And they have children that, you know, it's... If they're away from for seven hours and, while they're doing it. Yeah, and it's dinner time and homework and just, uh, it's not as convenient as it will be. Right. Um, so they'll be able to... They don't need me to make tamales, Paul. Right. I'm telling you. I don't make the tamales. <laughs> well, but, and I guess that, that, that banging noise is, uh, is proof that they're here working on it right they now. They are. And um, they'll, uh, so essentially, they'll make the trek out to Independence, to Community of Christ Church. How often do you come out here for this? And then yeah, we're, We cook as needed, Paul. Um, my, my goal mm-hmm. for 2017, I had two goals. One was um, a permanent home, mm-hmm. and the second is regular distribution. But you can't have one without the other. Right. So um, right now we're cooking as needed, and um, that averages twice a month. However, um, we have a relationship with the Nelson Art Gallery, mm-hmm. and they have Day of the Dead celebration. The past two years, we've um, provided the tamales for Day of the Dead, and we've been able to sell our tamales at that huge family function mm-hmm. um, the first Sunday in November. Oh. So um, Day of the Dead this year, we prepared 3,000 tamales and we cooked eight nights. Wow. Um, so as needed it is really accurate there. Yes, it is. Uh, and, and I understand that this time of year is, is usually season uptick as well, that there's it a, is. a demand increase and you, and you get out here a little more often probably. Well, um, what we're doing is um, we had prepared um, the meat and and the chilies and ahead of time so that we have a couple of the steps in making a tamale already taken care of. Mm-hmm. So we're assembling uh, is what we're doing. And that's, um, we can make about 500 tamales a night. And that's in that seven hour, six and a half hour Yeah, window. six and a half, seven, seven hours. Why distribution is so critical for us is... Um, Again, a goal mm-hmm. is um, I pay livable wages. Right. And um, if we work one night a week, um, that's $100 for, for each one of the women. Right. Times four is $400 a month. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. You know? However, if we work twice a week, that's $800 a month. <laughs> that's the same as a full-time job Essentially. at minimum wage, right. which is... You know what? A lot of what's out there. Right. Um, so we are um, we're looking for for regular distribution so that we can we can work. And um, how much of it is about uh, you know giving these women an opportunity to have that whatever you know the equivalent to full time work or, or that salary that is equivalent to full time work and, and kind of supporting their families. It's um, it's. It's a huge part of it because I, I think you um, keyed in on, on, on the um, important word. It's an opportunity. Um, these women are capable and competent. They have a, a, a skill that um, a lot of women wish they had, you know. Um, I hear this from the community, you know, uh, families buy tamales from us because it's a generational thing. A lot of the older women... Mm-hmm. Um, know how to make tamales 
the next generation, they did not learn. Right. And then the younger women, they want to learn because they say it reminds me of my grandmother. Right. When we used to, when we used to all make tamales together. So yeah. it's um, it's a huge part. It's a huge part of what we do in terms of you know the cooking and the culture and the replication of a generational learning. Um, however, the tamale kitchen is a philosophy. It's it's learning about each other around the proverbial kitchen table. We um, we meaning you know individuals and families learn about each other, culture, values, faith around the kitchen table. It's it's a central part of of coming together and learning about each other. Um, with the tamales, they're the vehicle. We've been able to um, build bridges, and I'm not being funny, but we, we built bridges between Northeast and South Overland Park, between Northeast and Shawnee Mission, between Northeast and Liberty. Mm. We have we have people that come to us from all over the city, and we have community partners that have come to us from the most unlikely sources, simply because they heard about us, mm-hmm. and they heard um, about um, the idea of, of giving these women the opportunity to to um, make life better for themselves and their families. Well, hopefully we can be a part of, of that oh, exchange sure. as well and help draw some people your way. Sure. Um, so I did want to kind of t- go back to the genesis as well. The Tamale Kitchen, uh, obviously you're the founder. Mm-hmm. When did the idea spark in your head that this could be something that was viable? You know, Paul, it, um, I was in the community two years ago. It's been two and a half years since the tamale kitchen. Um, and uh, How many tamales father, have you made in that time? Oh, my gosh. Could you, you know, estimate? You know, I think it'd be best, that would be a question for them, but um, I think thousands would right. be good. Many thousands, um, it sounds yeah. like. Um, I never framed our first dollar either, so right. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have. But... Um, I'm not, I don't have a business sense. I have a community sense right. and a relational feel for the community um, because I, I do work full time. So I have mm-hmm. a lot of community partners and um, a lot of things come across my desk or across my way that, um, uh, you know, that I can connect or connect the dots or refer people. Mm-hmm. So um, I had the priest come to me and say, you know, I have women that need work, basically, is what he said. Um, right. Do you, do you have any ideas? Because he knew, and this is, he knew, his church is struggling. It's in a community that's in, an impoverished community. And it's one of the oldest churches in Kansas City, oldest Catholic churches in the, in the area. Um, he knew that if, if, his, if his people have work, they will tithe and they will give to the church. And right. so he saw this as a vehicle not only to help the families, but also to help help the church. Mutually beneficial. Exactly. Right? So I agreed to think about that and to work to work with the women. Um, now, a lot of people look at me and they're like, how did, like you said, how did you get, you get involved? Right. Um, I'm not Hispanic. I don't speak Spanish, and I'm not Catholic, so it's like, what? <laughs> but I think it's the next right thing to do. Um, if I if I have a talent or skill that will help 
promote this. I don't make tamales, but I can certainly connect the women and the product with those that appreciate it. And also, I'm able to to do what I believe is right. So why tamales? Tamales, that's the key. When we, I met, there's a Hispanic council at the church, mm-hmm. and I met with the women and their husbands and uh, some other leaders of the church and we had a conversation um, and, and discussed the possibilities and um, you know what what talent or skill can we identify that would be marketable and mentioned things that I'd heard about from other uh, communities some communities sell tacos some churches uh, sell um, papusas, which is you know another something you know that would be good, or empanadas, you know. Right. So it was like tamales. I love tamales, and mm-hmm. I thought tamales wouldn't that wouldn't that be good? And they say, yeah, we can make tamales. I know somebody else, you know, makes great tamales. And, well, we need to connect with her. But I had the most difficult. I had, I had literally it was a couple of months. I had to convince them that tamales would be marketable. Right. Who would want to buy them year-round? We only do them really at Christmas. Right. I said, people love tamales, Mm -hmm. especially authentic tamales, handmade from scratch tamales. They they would love them. And it was like tamales, and I'm like, tamales? (laughs) It was like tamales. So we decided to focus on one product and one product only because I've had questions, well, do you make do you make tortillas? No, we make tamales. Right. And um, and now we started with um, two kinds, pork and chicken. Mm-hmm. And now we've added vegetarian due to the demand and sweet tamales. Mm. A very dear friend of mine from the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, she came to me and she said, do you guys make sweet tamales? My mother's 92 years old. And she's. We've looked all over for tamales. Her name's. Her name's Estella. Mm-hmm. And she said, "We can't find any tamales, sweet tamales, that she, you know, anywhere in the city." I went to the ladies and I said, "Do you have any? Do you know we can make sweet tamales?" But they make a very different kind of sweet tamale, and um, people love it. I have a bed and breakfast that orders. And they use it on their buffet for, mm. like, a dessert mm-hmm. at night with coffee or for breakfast in the morning. All right. So we have four kinds now. So we settled on a, on a product that we thought was specific and would, would relate to those Hispanic families that maybe do not make their own, right. but that would appreciate them. And then we um, know a lot of... We, we found out that the, the other market are the, the folks that love tamales but can't find any or haven't found any that they really like. Well, what kind of challenges did you have when you were getting it off the ground? I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, having to go through great pains to convince people that tamales are viable. Um, what else uh, kind of sprung up that you maybe didn't, didn't anticipate as you were getting the business off the ground? Well, once we decided in tamales, the second challenge was the recipe. Mm-hmm. Just think, or I thought, now looking back, I, I, I recall my grandmother making a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. She baked a loaf of bread every single morning. 
but she did it by touch. Mm-hmm. She couldn't tell you how many cups of flour. She couldn't tell you the amount of salt because mm-hmm. she's sprinkling it on. She just goes by touch and feel and mm-hmm. taste. Same thing with these tamales. How many pounds of meat do we need to make 50 tamales? I don't know. How much masa do we need? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It took two, maybe three months to, to figure out how, how much, how many pounds would make, would cook down and make X number of tamales, how much masa we needed to, you know, to, to complete that. So that was the big, that was a huge challenge, just getting the recipe. And when did you go through your first cook and uh, what lessons did you learn during that process? Oh, our first cook was um, actually our first um, kitchen was the community kitchen at 750 Paseo. Mm-hmm. And um, we cooked there for about a year, about a year, mm-hmm. actually. And they served lunch to the homeless. And so they closed down and we were there using the kitchen from 3 to 11. Um, they've become so busy now that mm-hmm. they... They don't have room for us. Right. So no room at the inn there. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Guadalupe mm-hmm. um, School over on um, Truman Road. Sure. And they, during the holiday season, they have they cook uh, like Thanksgiving meals, so they don't have room in their freezer and place. So Community of Christ, um, our friends at Holy Rosary Credit Union, mm-hmm. and I hope you're recognizing all of these are Northeast right. partners. Sure. We've been supported by the Northeast from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, I'm on the board of the Northeast Chamber. I joined because it was important for me to connect with the community. I live in South Kansas City, mm-hmm. but I'm here in the Northeast area a lot. Um, so we we um, got the recipe down, and then cooking. The first the first cook was um, kind of a funny story about that. Um, we were cooking in, um, we didn't have a steamer, a mm-hmm. commercial steamer. So um, we were cooking these tamales in a traditional pot. Mm-hmm. And the first time we cooked, you know, I watched the whole process because I honestly didn't know how many steps were involved and what was involved. So, so huge, huge tamale kettle, I guess mm-hmm. you call it. Huge. Sitting on a stool in Balia, um She's our quality control. She's the recipe lady. Mm-hmm. She was lining these tamales up like little soldiers in the pan. And I was looking and watching. And uh, the ladies came over and got me and they said, you need to come over here. And I'm like, why? Because it's bad luck to watch the cook put the tamales in the pot. Oh, really? Who would have kn- I know, right? Who would have known? So I was like... I think we've had the incredible luck, if you would, because I listen to them. Right. I'm like, luck? What's the big deal? I just want to see the tamales. Right. I respect and listen to them. The other thing that happened that night, for those of you, for anyone who bakes a cake, they know that you're not supposed to open the oven because, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. it won't rise. Right. <laughs> so, they cover the pot and and Miss Bailia asked me for three pennies. She said, do you have three pennies? I said, what? <laughs> I said, I think so. And I'm digging in my change. 
She puts pennies in the bottom of the pot so that the steam, rather than check to see if she needs to add more water, Mm -hmm. if she hears the pennies rattling, Mm -hmm. then the water's low and you need to open it, open the top and put more water in. How do you like that? There you go. There you go. A lesson for everybody, huh? I know. So I think when you talk about challenges, you know, first of all, convincing them that they had a product. Secondly, creating the product and you know, the actual ingredients and then um, getting the process down because mm-hmm. we found that cooking in the pot mm-hmm. took two and a half hours to cook maybe 50 tomorrows. Right. So we knew we needed a commercial steamer mm-hmm. and where we could cook 240 in an hour. Right. So the city of Kansas City spent $10,000 and installed a steamer in the kitchen at 750 Paseo. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Because I asked. Mm-hmm. And they said, sure, we can do that. Mm-hmm. I was like amazed because right. they wanted the kitchen to be used. Right. And so now the you know that piece of equipment, of course, is there at the kitchen, but they, they utilize that kitchen every almost every day. Still, still good use. It gets used. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's one of our big uh, purchases for our kitchen is a steamer we have to have a steamer because it's not efficient right to cook them the traditional way we need a commercial steamer right so that's um you know to learning the process refining the process and then um we're, we were able to um, figure out that if we pre-cook the meat mm-hmm. and the chilies that the assembly would go be much more efficient because then we had everything done and um, we didn't have to cook everything and then assemble. Right. Well, interesting. And what about the, we talked a little bit about this before we started, but the, the marketing element, uh, reaching out to partners. I, I know you, you mentioned that you've made bridges all over the city to areas mm-hmm. where you would never suspect, mm-hmm. but I, I how do you find these people? I, or how do they find you? I... The, let, let me give you one example of networking. Mm-hmm. Everybody, that's a term that everybody uses right. professionally, you know. To develop your network or, you know, utilize your network. The Hispanic Chamber of Commerce um, has been tremendous support for us. Mm-hmm. And um, I met a gentleman there. His name's Eric Negrete. Mm-hmm. And he does commercial kitchens. And so he... Um, he, two years ago, knew about what our dream was mm-hmm. you know, for, for ourselves. And he was talking to Jasper Mirabili. That's a name that a lot of people in Kansas City know. Sure. Chef Mirabili wanted to do a um, Cinco de Mayo event. So he was like, do you know anybody who makes tamales? Mm-hmm. Eric says, I do. Funny you ask. I picked up my phone on a Saturday afternoon, and I, again, Paul, I don't know if you're like this, but when, when I looked at my phone and I didn't recognize the number, you I was like, pick it up. I wasn't going to pick it up, but I did. Mm. Something said to me, go ahead and answer it. Right. It was Jasper Mirabili. Mm-hmm. And he says, I heard about the tamale kitchen. Would your ladies like to do tamales? And we'll sell them. At my friend's place out at Hawthorne Plaza, which is 
right across the street from town center. It's called mm-hmm. the Olive Tree. Mm-hmm. I was like, absolutely. And he said, we'll we'll get some we'll get some food people together, and we'll we will promote you. I was on the radio with him mm-hmm. on his radio show. I, Jill Silva from the Kansas City Star did a beautiful Mother's Day, huge full-page article mm-hmm. about us mm-hmm. with pictures. And that's how we built our network. We, he promoted a sale of our tamales at the Olive Tree. And now you, you're able and to that. use that article and, and that radio appearance exactly. to say, exactly. look, we're real, we're here, and we've been able to do it. Exactly. We can do it for Jasper. You know, we can do it and for that's how And that's how 10,000 Villages, a fair trade store in Old Overland Park, mm-hmm. they saw the article in the paper. And she, she called me and said, how can we partner? How can we help you? And from there, um, I met um, KC Healthy Kids is mm-hmm. another organization. And they have a program that promotes um, local, um, using local products, produce. Mm-hmm. And we can get certified as a carrot kitchen through them. And what does that mean then? That means that they will carry us on their website and as a local, you know, use that we use local produce and local locally grown uh, ingredients. Oh, cool. So we're waiting to do that until we get certified our own kitchen. But that's the type of thing that happens. Our marketing is... um, through word of mouth, people hear about us. Um, we cater a lot, mm-hmm. and um, we do tamales, rice, and beans. Most recently, I catered. Uh, we we catered to um, Legal Aid Society board, Legal Aid of Western Missouri. Sure. Their board, mm-hmm. a lunch. They had a board retreat, and we did their lunch. Mm. As one of their board members had heard about us, and they gave me ten minutes to talk about. It. Which was not even enough, right? But, you know, no, better than teasing. <laughs> but um, it gave. I'm sure we've made many friends through that. I have, and that's the power of networking is um, telling your story. Um, I have yet to come up with a 30 second elevator speech. I don't. You know how you're supposed to be able. Well, we to, got about a 30 minute elevator yeah, speech I we're know. working on right now. So. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and um, another another example of networking is um, through um, a I can't remember where I met this woman I think I met her um, we catered a lunch for the United Way they did a um, they did a school where they were renovating classrooms Mm -hmm. getting them ready for for the school year so we did the lunch and I talked about the project program and um, there was somebody in the audience who asked me to speak at their church but their church was up by um, Zona Rosa mm-hmm. up north, Pine Ridge Presbyterian Church and I went and I talked to them a women's group mm-hmm. and we catered dinner for them <laughs> they now once a month do a church wide order and they order from us once a month for a dinner no, for individuals or oh. like a half a dozen or two oh, just dozen. for their families. Yeah, for their families, <laughs> it's a huge church up north. Right, but that's how it works. Right, and then they want they like the quality of the food and they they want to help out an organization that's doing good. That's exactly that's exactly right. Perfect. Well, I, I did want to ask you what what advice might you have for somebody 
who might be interested in starting up a nonprofit but isn't sure what to do or how their business model will look, you know, who has an idea but, but not, not an idea maybe of how to execute it. What, what kind of advice might you have for somebody in that position? Oh, gosh, Paul. Um, um, yes, we're not profit-based. We're impact-based. But we're a social enterprise. And a social enterprise is a business for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not profit-based. It's impact-based. So how does um, that work in practice? That works. Terms? That works because all of the profits are reinvested into the women and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a very limited profit margin, very limited, because we pay livable wages and we shop at the local market. Mm-hmm. We do not go to Costco, we do not go to um, Cisco, we do not go to uh, the big box stores to lower our costs. We shop at Gringo Loco, mm-hmm. which is on the avenue in Northeast. Avenue. Exactly. Yep. And um, when we buy 400 pounds of pork from him, from it's, it's owned by a Vietnamese guy named Alex, mm-hmm. who speaks Spanish. Go right. figure, you know. <laughs> but um, the, he's our he's our partner, mm-hmm. and um, that's I believe if you focus on one pocket of poverty, um, and you're raising up the women, their family, their church, and their community, then everything's going to go up together, um, and. Granted, we can lower our costs and have a higher profit margin, mm-hmm. but that's not the purpose of, of this particular business. Right. And as far as advice, I have people come to me and say, would you work with my women mm-hmm. you know, over in Wyandotte County or in the city? Um, and it's, it's not rocket science. It's identifying a talent or skill rallying your community and then marketing it grassroots and rallying resources all around you because there are people who will help you mm-hmm. and um, that's that's how we that's what we attribute our success to you know I think especially if they can see earnestness in what you're doing you know <laughs> if they can if they can sense based on interactions with you that your heart is in the right place makes it a lot easier for somebody to open up their pocketbook and say, yeah, I can help you a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know. Well, we don't, um, um, that's the other thing is that we did not, a traditional business model is where you have an idea, Mm -hmm. you develop a five-year plan, you project, you know, what your costs are, what your budget's going to be, you do, we don't have a five-year plan. what we do is based on what's going to happen next week, or mm-hmm. like, you know, orders, um, and that's not going to be viable for long because no. we, you know, we we have structured a lot of what we do, but we've been so intent on marketing mm-hmm. and and getting the word out that that traditional business model goes by the wayside. Right. It's not as important to me as keeping the women working. Right. Um, so most people, you know, develop their business plan, then they go out and get funding. Right, and then they venture capital. Yes, exactly. That's not what this is. Mm-hmm. So we had an angel investor in the beginning of, um, for ingredients. And um, once we got the ingredients, then you get the ingredients, you sell the tamales, you pay the women, you buy the ingredients, you sell the tamales, and you pay. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly how it works. Right. You know, um, when we do have a big sale, like um, Day of the Dead, Day of the Dead at the Nelson, where we have 
know, we're, we're making some money, then we buy equipment, and um, then we're able to to do some some other things. And that's kind of what you mean when you're reinvesting in the business and in the women. It's it's exactly. more opportunity, a greater opportunity to exactly. continue making more and more tamales. Exactly. Hopefully into perpetuity, right? Well, I you know our vision is that we'll have a couple of teams of these women are our leaders and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned, so they could go lead their own teams of three exactly, or four women. and that, they can show the way. And they're all capable and competent women. And um, they can, they can, yeah, they can, they can do it. I know they can. One of our most significant partnerships came from Blue Valley School District. Uh-huh. There's a program called CAPS, uh-huh. C-A-P-S, uh-huh. and um, the CAPS program, and. They have, for the last four semesters, assigned a team of students to help us. The students have done all of our brochures. They did our business cards. They did our um, nutrition analysis cards mm-hmm. for nutrition analysis so that we can tell people, show, put them in They produce orders. digital copies to put on your website and things, too? Um, yes. They uh-huh. Oh, they have? Yeah. Actually, those are students. If you go to the website, we sell our T-shirts, mm-hmm. and those are Blue Valley Cap students who cool. are in those pictures. They want the experience of connecting their fifth-year Spanish speakers mm-hmm. with to be able to communicate in the real world. Right. And the most recent project, which we just wrapped up, was. They brought, they got laptops for the women, each one of the women from Connecting for Good, which mm-hmm. is another nonprofit, mm-hmm. and they each have a laptop. And the students came out and sat with them at Our Lady of Peace, taught them how to access the computer, set up a Gmail account, mm-hmm. and just basic computer skills. Sure. They would never do that mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for the students, and then they developed this relationship. And then they develop spreadsheets for us, one column in English, one in Spanish, where one of my women has a banking background in mm-hmm. Mexico. Mm-hmm. Of course, she doesn't do that here. Right. She's been here like 19 years. Right. She's all about the numbers. One of the students sat with her and taught her how to take my receipts mm-hmm. and put them in order and cost of labor cost of the tamales and then have a you know we have an accounting right. of what it costs us to make 3,000 tamales right hmm. so when you started essentially I guess that's kind of cyclical isn't it when you, uh, when you started you weren't really sure how much it cost to bank now we a, know 100 or 200 or 500 tamales and now you know how to make 3,000 right? exactly exactly well cool and uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up here but I did want to ask you before we go say uh, an individual listens to this and is interested in either making a large order or helping out in some way what's the best way for them to reach out to you um, we have a website it's um, www.thetamalikitchen.org mm-hmm. and then um, of course our Facebook page and messenger on the Facebook page and then um, should you should you want to pick up the phone or mm-hmm. text me at 816 679 one one nine. Okay. Um, 
I make myself available to, um, I may not pick up right away, but... Um, You're going to say, even if it's on a Saturday, you'll, you'll exactly. pick it up as long as it's a, it's I will, a, as long a, as a widely as, renowned chef who's calling you? Exactly. <laughs> I didn't even recognize it. But um, it's, um, yeah, it's, I, the best way to order is actually on the website because that way we can track our orders. And um, However, sometimes it's good to talk about it if there's something you want special or for a special occasion or, or a special time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to, to talk about our capabilities and what we can do. But if we can do 3,000 tamales, we can most definitely cater for a birthday party or cater for an office event or um, you know any of those other things. And if anybody's unsure... Just ask, right? Exactly. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Hey, no problem. Thank you for the time. Uh And that is it for this week's edition of the Northeast Newscast. I'd like to thank Becky Grip for taking us behind the scenes and showing us how the tamales are made. And I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in to this week's episode. This is your host, Paul Thompson, signing out. Thanks for listening.